How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by Harrison Fagan. In a second, I'm going to be joined by Jared Dubin of the Locked On Knicks podcast. Uh, and we're going to actually negotiate. I don't know if you guys remember a few shows, well, no, almost a month back now, I think. We recorded a podcast about, uh, you know, sending Paul George to the Lakers. We're going to do the same thing now with Carmelo Anthony. Today's show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash LLakers uh, to, to try the product for free. We are going to talk about that here in a second. As usual, find the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. What we're going to do today is we're going to talk really quickly about D'Angelo Russell's exit interview. We're going to talk about how Harrison would handle a trade negotiation. And then we are going to take a quick break, and we're going to throw it over to Jared and I making the actual trade negotiation by which the end of it we'll see how many people are are, are sending death threats and all that good stuff <laughs> my emails and my mentions because uh we'll, we'll see how people feel about it all right he, he is at anthony irwin la on twitter i am at anthony irwin la on twitter all right so actually you can also send him to hm fagan no you... no there's no there's no need for that <laughs> i'm i don't i do not endorse whatever mellow trade you made most likely <laughs> all right so, let's start with the D'Angelo Russell exit interview. Uh, you've watched the clip. You've heard the. You've read the quotes and stuff already. I have not watched the clip. I've read the quotes. I was in a meeting this morning, but it, it sounded like the gist of it was that he wanted to get into really good shape and he wanted to become a better playmaker. So that sounds like a solid off-season plan, actually. Just <laughs> like like. That's my off-season plan too. I want to I want to get in better shape and I want to become a better writer. And I think that those are solid goals. So, the getting into shape thing is interesting because that's been a trend with everybody who looks like they're going to be staying with the Lakers, right? Yeah, in all seriousness, I, I that was the that was the big my big takeaway from the shape thing was that so, like Randall said that he wanted to get into the best shape of his life and then there, it's easy to see the reason why. The Lakers ranked 6th in the la- in the league in pace this year and it, you have to be in shape to play like that. And yeah. so if they get into better shape, the reasoning would you know, follow that they would be even better at playing at that pace or maybe be able to play faster. I don't even know if it's necessarily about pace. The way I kind of look at it was with when it comes to defense, when you get tired, your habits break down, right? When you get tired, you stand up straight, 
your arms drop defensively, your hands aren't as active, you are in poor position, whatever it might be. And for the Lakers, yes, they played at a, at a much higher pace than they were at last year, I would imagine, right? Yes. And so you already saw them, you know, starting to get into better shape and they and they played a little bit faster and, and all of that good stuff and they're going to continue that transition. But I think the bigger thing is how much better conditioning affects defense and that's where the Lakers really need to take a ginormous step forward. Uh, yeah, I would say so. They had the worst defensive efficiency in franchise history that it, this year. So, like we said last year, there's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> Boy, how were we, like, of all things that we could have been wrong about last year, how were we wrong about that? <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it, it's actually the league. If you look at it on basketball reference, you can see the franchise history. And, yes, it's the worst defensive efficiency since they began tracking that statistic in the 50s. But... If you look at relative defensive efficiency, which is like in comparison to the norm in the rest of the league, offenses got better this year. And so every defense got worse just about. And so it actually was still in terms of relation to the rest of the league. It was closer than last year's was to the relative to the rest of the league last year. Okay. All right. That's a that, so, that context matters. So it is a little bit better. And the Lakers, the Lakers played about two more possess two more. Yeah, they they were 16th in pace last year. Okay. And so to go from 16th to 6th is a pretty big jump. There you go. So uh, that's those are the things that, that are, are things to keep an eye on moving forward. There wasn't much else. Like it was really cool to hear about how, you know, teammates and the organization stepped up to help D'Angelo Russell with the passing of his grandma. Uh, that was cool to hear. Apparently the Lakers sent flowers to her wake. Which, for anybody who has, I mean, we've all been to a funeral at some point in our lives. Uh, for those of you who have had to help, it's set always up just or, nice to know that the people that are in your life day to day care and made the extra effort. Right, and, but I was I was going to say for those who have had to either put together a funeral or partake in the organization of a funeral, uh, when you get those flowers from people who you may not necessarily uh, expect them from especially it being the Lakers like that's that had to be a you know in in an already crappy situation that had to be at least a nice little bright shining moment in the moment yeah I would agree that like I said it's always a positive to know that people care about you yeah absolutely all right so let's go ahead and segue awkwardly from that to this trade negotiation that's about to take place here in a couple minutes Jared runs a, a tight bargain. Like that was, it was kind of tough to negotiate with him. Yeah, I, I haven't listened yet, but I'm assuming you got fleeced. I'm assuming you gave up the entire young core. It was close. It was close. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> All right, what would you be looking for in a in a trade scenario with the Knicks here? I think. The I, realistically I think I, speaking, because we could say like Dang and Mozgov. Yeah, me. I mean, like I made the we we talked about this last show where I was like saying on Twitter I was joking Dang for Mellow straight up. People took it seriously and said that that was a bad trade. <laughs> so even if you like give the Lakers a clear win, people are going to be mad at this. But in terms of like realistic deals, the one that you talked about yesterday, the Clarkson and Brewer, kind of made some sense to me. Um. I would say, you know, I, I'd maybe be willing to give up like, like Nance, maybe. Mm-hmm. But as far as most of the young core, I, I would not be willing to give that. And you know, even Nance is like 
I don't I don't I just don't know what you want to give up for Carmelo Anthony and his contract like unless you're moving long-term salary off your books yeah it's also tough to with with this negotiation because the Lakers have and I don't mean tough as in like it makes it harder to negotiate it it's actually the opposite from the Knicks standpoint um and eventually you know at the end of the podcast after we made our deal I asked Jared what do you think? Like, how do you think this is actually going to play out? Is it going to be a better or a worse deal for the Knicks? And he immediately said, "This is you just always bet against the Knicks because that's how it turns out." Uh, yeah, well, I mean, if you've watched the last thirty years of Knicks franchise history, yeah, it's not wrong. It's not. It, yes, right. So uh, the <laughs> deal that we actually make it winds up basically what I look for when I make a a trade scenario and I tweet something out like that. I try to make. It's so that I think both sides are going to be really angry at, at me for the deal. And that's kind of how this is probably going to play out, where Knicks fans are going to be angry at Jared. Lakers fans are going to be angry at me. Uh, but I think eventually it realistically plays out so that Lakers fans, if the Lakers do acquire Carmelo Anthony, Lakers fans will probably be happy uh, with the deal. So let's go ahead and get into that. But before we do that, let's talk really quickly about ZipRecruiter.com. Uh, are you hiring? I know I am. Do you know where? Wait, the, hold on. What? What? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. What are if, you hiring for? If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social medias like social media networks like Facebook and Twitter. All with a single click. Find Wait, my, Anthony, I don't. I'm. Are, are you hiring for something? Find and find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. Yo, Which, man, this is this isn't cool for you to just hire somebody instead of me, even if it's like a great deal with ZipRecruiter. Ju- no juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates. Rate them and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, my listeners, our listeners, well, I guess my listeners, can post jobs to ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash LOLakers. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash LOLakers. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash L.O. Lakers. I mean, I guess if it's for free, you might as well see if you can get somebody better than me. That's fine. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into the Jared Dubin and my negotiation for Carmelo Anthony. This was a lot of fun. It worked out pretty well. It worked out really well. I really enjoyed the podcast I recorded with uh, with uh, Ben from 8points9seconds.com uh, with Paul George. Go ahead and revisit that one. That's on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen, and Roll Tune and Stitcher in today's fast break. Uh, let's talk to Jared, and then we will talk to everybody again on Friday. If this is my last show, I'm going to miss you guys. Anthony, how are you, man? I'm hanging in there. I, I was hoping that I'd get to enjoy the offseason a little bit more, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, here we are. The Knicks just lost the tiebreaker for the lottery, so they'll be picking behind the Wolves. With, uh, if neither one of them moves up in the lottery. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing the Knicks have never been one pick away from getting a franchise-changing player before. That kind of thing has never come back to haunt them. 
I wouldn't know what that history would be like because, well, I mean, I guess the closest thing to it is when the Lakers took James Worthy over Dominique Wilkins, right? That would... But James Worthy still wound up being really good. He wound up being all right. But, I mean, recent history says that Russell over Porzingis might be a mistake or has definitely looked like a mistake so far, right? So, I mean... It's, uh, it's no, like, when they won a, an extra game at the end of the season and picked behind the Warriors and the Warriors got Steph Curry and the Knicks uh, did not. <laughs> I, I'm trying to make you feel a little better. Because... The, the thing with both these franchises is that, especially in recent times, like since Phil Jackson got there, he's taken Porzingis, but then everything else has been kind of just, oh my God, what's going on? You know, and he's made a couple picks, right? Hernan Gomez has been all right. And yep. uh, Kuzminskis, was he was he a, a Jackson he, uh, product? He was, well, he was a, a Phil Jackson signing. He wasn't a draft pick. He was a free agent, came over from Spain. He's 27. People don't realize that. Yeah, been playing over there for a while. Um, he turned out pretty pretty well, though. He was a decent rotation player. Like I've I've said this a couple times on different podcasts. The moves that Phil has made on the margins, uh, you know, the, the end of bench guys have been pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, the guys that they've gotten on you know the margins of the team. It's the bigger moves that have come back to bite him. Uh, the Derrick Rose trade was a disaster. The Joakim Noah signing was even more of a disaster. Uh, Resigning Carmelo with his contract turns out to not be such a great move. Giving him a no trade clause was even worse. <laughs> um, you know, the the one big move that he's made that turned out great is Kristaps, uh, and he's already trying to ruin that by telling him to not shoot threes and forcing him into the triangle and making everything a big ass disaster. And Carme got Kristaps skipping uh, exit meetings. It's always good. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably not a good sign. Russell Russell missed it because he his grandma had just passed, but he wound up going back to the organization and he held his interview this morning. So, I mean, uh, we'll see how that goes. But like you, like we said at the beginning, right? We're gonna try to negotiate this trade. That was the weirdest press conference I have ever seen, and I'm including Rob Palinka's introductory press <laughs> conference where he called Kobe the Michelangelo of friends. How much does Rob Palenka look like Rob Lowe? It's it's amazing. It's absurd. <laughs> I feel like you could have Chris Traeger as the GM. We Harrison and I said that even if we even if we heard or when we heard Rob Palenka speak, that if we're going to impersonate Rob on the show, it's going to be as Rob Lowe. It's not going to be in his <laughs> usual voice. But even his usual voice is kind of cartoonish. It's like a total, you know hippie we're on a journey kind of it's he's, he has a really weird vibe to him he's you could definitely tell he's an agent that's for sure i just wish that he said literally and not literally yeah like just so he could be chris Traeger, that would be great yep uh, back to the mellow thing like how do you go into a press conference and undermine like the knicks probably had like three percent leverage in trade negotiations and Phil went and erased all of it with mm -hmm. that press conference. Like, he's so weird. Yeah. So when we're doing these negotiations, I do have a question for you. Like, are we doing it as if you're Magic and Rob Palinka and I'm Phil and Steve Mills? Because if so, you can just give me Dang and Mozgov for Mello. We can both go about our day. <laughs> Dang and Mozgov for Mello? 
Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, I, I guess. I, I had actually sent out a tweet earlier in the year when Phil and Jeannie were, were trying to, it, you know, they I think they had just just ended their engagement. And I said that, you know, Phil Jackson could sweep in and, and sweep Jeannie off her feet by taking Luol and Dang and giving us Mozgov. Uh, and and that might have worked, but it it looks like everybody's moved on from that. Uh, I I do think like we I, I say we we negotiate as if you and I were both in. You are the the GM and president. I am the GM and president. We do what's actually best. What's actually the best thing in mind for both franchises? Because because uh, yeah, I think that things uh, considerably more complicated because you know usually when you're dealing with the Knicks, you're dealing with someone that like you know doesn't necessarily know what they're doing <laughs> and um that, that makes for easy trading and we, yeah. we've seen that over the years but now we're gonna have to do something where like i'm actually gonna try to make moves that help over the long term mm-hmm. and that's gonna be difficult yeah the the knicks are kind of sort of screwed in this situation i'm going to negotiate using some of the leverage right because you, like you said a second ago they have no leverage right now yeah that's uh, the thing so i would say that that right now they have no leverage um, because trade talks are not going on and because everybody knows they want to trade him. I do think they can develop situational leverage once they actually enter into negotiations. That's interesting. Because there's more than one team that he's willing to go to. And as soon as more than one team is interested, then you do have some situational leverage. So if while I'm on the phone with you, all of a sudden, Locked On Clippers calls me up. <laughs> then all of a sudden, I'm no longer interested in Dang and Mozgov from Mello. So I, I do think that there is the possibility for them to develop leverage as negotiations are actually playing out. But certainly, they're not getting a, a, the kind of haul that you would expect for, you know, based on what they gave up for Carmelo. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yep, but absolutely. That's I, the, the I hat have... that I'm wearing pre-negotiations. Once we get into negotiations, I actually want Russell, Randall, Ingram, <laughs> Clarkson, Zubach, and like World Peace's contract. All right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, pass on that deal. Um, I know I know you are you already floated out the Dang and Mozgov for Carmelo thing, so I would imagine you're gonna pass on that deal. I'll take the I'll Go take ahead. I'll t- I'll take the next step forward, and I'll say uh, Luol Dang alone uh for carmelo anthony just straight up yeah we're not gonna do that either that's not <laughs> something that's good for the future of our franchise we're trying to we're the way we're approaching this and i'll be straight out with you because i like to be straight out in negotiations when you're trading a star player like carmelo you want to get some combination of hopefully cap relief young players with potential and draft picks now there's flexibility on some of those. I could get two of three or one of or one of three, depending on what the deal looks like. But we're not looking to add significant long-term salary attached to veterans who are going to get worse over the course of their contract and not better. What if so, I told you? What if I told you that Luol Deng says he wants to come back hungrier next year? Although it might that might be a bad thing considering many thought he came into camp overweight. So I was hoping he was going to come back and say I'm going to come back on a diet next year. But uh, but yeah, does that does that change your stance on that at all? That does not interest me really <laughs> at all. Um, now I did see a report earlier today that uh, you the Lakers 
uh, are willing to trade any of your young players. Uh, does that apply to GM Irwin as well as GM President Combo Johnson and uh, Polinka? I would probably say Ingram and Russell are completely off of the table. Like those two, neither of those guys, it just doesn't make any sense to include those guys in a trade, especially right now. Like you can, you know, you, you said a second ago, you talked about situational leverage as, as negotiations move forward. But even then, as soon as, as soon as Phil mentions those two names, as soon as he brings up Ingram and or Russell, I would hope Magic and Palenka laugh him off the phone. Uh, but you know, if it's like a Clarkson or maybe even a Randall Zubots, I'm 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 leaning towards he's closer to the the Russell Ingram kind of thing. But Clarkson and or Randall because Clarkson's already signed to a contract. I think we've kind of seen the peak Clarkson, and then I think with Randall, uh, the, the Lakers front court is such that, and, and you'd be acquiring a front court player anyway with with Carmelo coming over here. Uh, he would be playing that position. It's kind of a natural fit anyway. But Clarkson's contract makes it such that you can almost swip, swap those guys uh, straight up, maybe add like Corey Brewer's contract, and, and then the cap works out. But uh, Clarkson and or Randall are touchable. You know, I can, I can move those guys, but there's no way the Knicks are getting Ingram or, or Russell. I didn't think so. Is, uh, is, is Larry Nance potentially available? It's kind of – all right, so – that's been a that's been a, a raging discussion out here. Basically, since Nance has arrived, who between those two players do you like more? I think it depends entirely, or not entirely, but a lot on who you're playing next to them in the front court. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to think both players would be excellent fits uh, with Porzingis. You know, more of a playmaker in Julius Randle, but you know his defensive shortcomings uh, are overcome a little bit when you play Chris Stapps at the five mm-hmm. because of the way that he protects the rim. Uh, and then Nance, the fact that he's not necessarily a spacey player on offense, you can use him as more of a, you know, in the dunker spot and the dive guy spot offensively. And then with him and Chris Stapps defending, I think that would be really good. So I'm interested potentially in both players. Uh, Nance actually, both guys actually started shooting threes at the end, and I think Nance finished with a little higher percentage than than Randall did. And both guys say they're going to work their butts off on uh, on shooting threes in the off season. But you know, you yeah, always I would imagine that, that you know any any big guy that wants to stay in the league would would wind up you know shooting threes uh, you know at least in practice and trying to stretch themselves out as far as they can. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily sure I trust that Nance is going to d- consistently do that. And that's why, you know, I think it's it's okay if you play him with Kristaps in the front court if he's only, say, an 18- to 20-foot shooter uh, at, at max capacity rather than a, you know, 23- to 25-foot shooter. I think it's all right. Yeah, I would I would agree. Kristaps is such a luxury with, with what you can do in your front court. <laughs> it's, it's so valuable to have somebody like that, especially being able to step out and make threes. Is, it makes him such a special player. I, I did want to... ignoring the fact. That, that Joe Kim Noah is making seventeen million dollars a year in my front court for the next three years. Yeah, he's he should probably get stretched out before too long. Like he, there's no point in having him on the roster at all. Um, I, I think did... it depends how they build their team. Um, uh-huh. You know, if they're going full on rebuild, I think you can make the argument either way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're rebuilding, yeah, you want to get rid of that contract quicker. Um, so you don't necessarily stretch it and, you know, you wait three more years and then it's gone. 
But you also could argue that cutting that cap hit, you know, basically in half, uh, you know, gives you much more room to, you know, do lopsided trades or to sign other free agents that could actually contribute. But, you know, having like $9 million of dead space on your books for seven years is a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. I, I did want to, because I, I think we kind of moved on a little bit from, yeah. from the Carmelo point. Has a superstar ever been this underrated? I would say, you mean like, like undervalued at the time of his trade or like underrated in terms of what people think of his game? I guess both because undervalued, like Austin Rivers was going to be the centerpiece of a move at the trade deadline, you know? And, and, uh, and was it this, was it even, even then, was it the Clippers that balked at the, at the trade? I think Phil was ready to make that move. Right. And then in terms of underrated, it's crazy out here to to hear people like I floated out the trade idea that you asked if I was high about um, when I asked about Lou Aldang and uh, Clarkson and the Houston pick for Mello, and I had multiple people on the Lakers side of it asking a similar <laughs> theme of question where wait why would oh, the Lakers take by on the way that you included the Houston pick in the deal I just saw the tweet with Dang and Clarkson I yeah, didn't I mean, see the pick part. They, 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 there was uh, the trade machine doesn't allow you to add picks in there, but yeah, I would, I'd be open to the to Houston pick as That's well. That's why the the trade checker from Real GM, I think, allows you to add draft picks. Oh, that's I might have to look that up a little bit more often. But but yeah, the the, the mellow thing is the way he's looked at, especially among casual fans. It's crazy to me how how low people regard his game. I th- I think he can still be a relatively useful player. Yeah, I think he's a very useful player, and you know, certainly he is still a good scorer. Um, he can still get any shot he wants at pretty much any time he wants, and you know, they go in at varying degrees depending on the night. But that's a valuable skill for mm-hmm. any offense, you know. Especially, I think it becomes more valuable, I think, on a good team because you're going to have situations where the defense gets tighter late in important games, and having somebody that can get off a shot at any time even if it's not necessarily, you know, a, a positive expected value shot is good because you're not always going to get positive expected value shots. Um, and Carmelo will be able to do that in his sleep until he's dead, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think if you put him on a team where, you know, I think, you know, if he goes to this Lakers team, he wouldn't necessarily be the second offensive option. He would still be the most talented offensive player there right now. But if you used him in sort of a secondary capacity, and all of a sudden he is, you know, a spot-up shooter and a post-up guy rather than an isolation guy, which I think uh, Luke Walton would, would certainly try to get him to do, he becomes much more valuable because those are the things that he's best at. You know, sniping away on spot-up threes off the kickouts and on the break and feasting on mismatches of smaller guys in the post. If you get him in those two situations, he becomes especially dangerous. And I think those things are still true. He's just doing much more than that and it hampers his overall effectiveness do you we keep on hearing that he is just outright adamantly against playing the four consistently is that is that overblown because if if it isn't overblown and if he is adamantly against playing the four that kind of hurts his value i think it's situationally overblown i think there are situations where he would do it and situations where he won't 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about convincing him to be willing to do it. You know, he's done it in the past, specifically when it's been necessary. Like that one year when Amari got hurt and Mike Woodson was like, well, we literally don't have any big guys left, so I guess I have to go small. For two stretches of the season, Carmelo played the four willingly, played incredible, like the best basketball of his career. And then like at the first available opportunity, Mike Woodson went away from it both times. (laughs) Um, You know, if it's, if it's a situation where, you know, there are, you know, multiple big guys on the team that are able to do it and, you know, more, uh, I guess, naturally inclined to do it, then Melo was like, yeah, I'll, I'll play the three. That's my position. But I think if you got him in the right sort of situation, he would be willing to do it, especially if it was more of a um, four on offense, three on defense, or three on offense, four on defense kind of thing, where he guards the much less threatening um, forward player, whoever that happens to be, and plays with sort of a like-sized player that they can use them interchangeably. Yeah, that's uh, I. for me, the Lakers' number one lack was somebody who could create their shot at the end of the game or just in like at the end of shot clock situations. It was just as soon as the Lakers got under about eight seconds or so with the shot clock, you just knew it wasn't going to end well. And that's where having somebody like Melo becomes valuable, especially on a young team. You don't want to use it as a crutch, but you also don't want young players to develop the habit of just fire whatever you possibly can at the rim when the, the clock gets under eight seconds that's just not a good a, ha- a good habit to build. And then for somebody like Ingram, who likes playing bully ball, it's weird. He's really skinny, but likes contact. If he could learn that from Melo, then I think I, for so many Laker fans out there who are saying it's this terrible idea for the Lakers, I actually think it could really help out everybody involved uh, long term if Melo does make it out here, even to a young team. Though he does, and I may, and it makes sense that he would be focused on playing on a playoff contender, playing on a title contender at the end of his career. Yeah, I think it would also help, you know, guys like Russell and Ingram create their own shots, just having Melo out there. Yeah. Because he draws, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Chris Depps talked about that like a whole bunch of times, how much easier uh, Carmelo made life for him and, and how much easier he made the adjustment to not just, you know, being in the NBA, but finding his space, uh, and his opportunities to shoot and to score. Um, that got backtracked quite a bit this year because Derrick Rose came in and decided that he was the guy that was going to benefit from all the space uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and all the opportunity, and uh, that did not work out so well for the Knicks. But Chris Stapps has made no secret of the fact that Carmelo makes life so much easier uh, for a young player. Um, to, to get back to yeah. um, the offers, though, I mm-hmm. want to tweak the offer that you threw out there on Twitter and see how interested you are in something like this. Um, so I think, you know, I think Clarkson has to be in there to make the money work. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it's really not going to be feasible. So I'm going to say, how would you feel about Clarkson, Corey Brewer's contract, Nance and that Rockets pick? We're getting closer. We're certainly closer. I'm definitely thinking about it more. And I think I, I might be a little bit more open to the idea if it was Randall instead of Nance because I think I think Nance fits a lot better alongside uh, Mello. But preferably speaking, I would probably leave both guys out because the other thing here too, what, what I'd like the Lakers to be able to do here is 
at some point they probably need to get Deng's money off of their off of their cap. They either need to get Deng's or Mozgov's money off of their cap. And if the Lakers make a move for Melo, it's not to immediately get better. A lot of people think it's just okay. Yeah, this is a. It would be written out here. I could already see somebody like Plashke writing the article of like two years, oh, yeah. two years ago the Lakers tried and failed to get Melo, and now in his first summer, Magic lands a superstar. Like that's not the point of this. It would be to get Deng's money off of their off of their cap. I believe Melo has a player option, but even with that player option, it's a year less than uh, than Deng. Do you think Melo's taking that player option? I think it depends where he goes and how the next uh, couple of years go, or sorry, how next year goes. I guess um, mm-hmm. you know if he's in a place where he wants to be and he's playing well, then I think that he'll decline that player option and try to resign. Mm-hmm. If he's in a place where he wants to be and not playing well, then he'll pick up that player option. And if he's in a place where he doesn't want to be, no matter what, he will decline that player option and try to go somewhere else. It's not. It's not one of those done deals that early ETOs usually wind up being, right? Usually right. ETOs are, are. You know, you just look at that year as he's not gonna. He's not gonna re up. He's going to want a longer term deal. But for Melo, like we just talked about a second ago, he's his value is so far below right now where he probably would like it to be that 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 ETO is is not a done deal. I would actually. I, I, I'm actually looking at it as as if he's going to keep that offer. He's going to take it and then try to uh, to to rebuild his brand, I guess, uh, wherever he winds up. Um, all right, so I I'll I'll counter offer you. Uh, I'm gonna take Nance and Ran- Nance and or Randall off of there and and make it just the the Clarkson Brewer and Houston pick. And if you want, maybe like a second rounder on top of that. Uh, that that's the the deal I would probably be willing to make. I don't think that that works. I'm in the trade machine here. Oh, it actually does work. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I would still need another one of the young guys. I mean, Zubac is a no go. Yeah, he's he has higher value than he's nineteen. Did you know how young he? He's insanely young. Yeah. Think he's interesting. You know, I, I know you said you know Nance has more value to this particular Lakers team with Melo there than Randall does. I think that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and I think if you threw Randall in, then I would do it. If it was Clarkson Brewer Randall in that pick, if if we threw Randall in there, would you do the Knicks? Like, what's the Knicks pick situation aside from the first rounder that they they lost a coin flip with today? Do they have any second rounders or any other team second rounders? So, the Knicks own uh, all of their own first rounders going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, they do not own their own second round pick this year. It goes to the Sixers, but they own Chicago and Houston's second round pick. Um, they don't have, I don't believe, a 2018 second round pick, and they don't have their 2019 second round pick, but they do have like three other 2019 second round picks coming in from elsewhere. Would you throw in maybe a future first for if if it meant getting Randall in the trade? Would you throw in a, a future first for it? I would not throw in any of our first round picks because we're going to be pretty heavily rebuilding. Um, if you were th- willing to throw in, I know you can't trade. See, this makes things difficult because 
of the future picks that the Lakers don't yeah, have. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if you made me take Dang back, I would maybe do that if you threw in a future pick, but it's either going to be, well, I guess it could be two years after the next one that's conveyed, mm-hmm. even though that's technically already owed out. But if the Lakers keep their pick, then the first rounder that they currently owe to Orlando becomes two second rounders, and all of a sudden their 2020 come, pick comes into play. But if they don't keep their first round pick, then I guess it would be 2021. Um, and that that gets a little bit complicated, though. Um, if you if we made it, Randall, I suppose I could throw in um, some of those future second round picks that we have in 2019. Uh, I'm just kind of writing out. So you were talking about so if it if it meant taking on Dang and the Lakers kept their pick. Uh, this year, you'd be willing to take the 2020, no, the 2019 first round pick that they aren't going to convey to Orlando in that deal. If, if the Lakers keep their pick, then that would mean they'd be conveying their 2018 to Philly, which would mean the first one you could trade is 2020. Oh, 2020. Yep, you're right. Um, but I would also have to give you back um, sizable contract money in order to be able to take on Dang. Really? Because I thought I thought uh, Mello has a trade kicker that could take his deal up to thirty million dollars. He does, but I'm talking about you know adding Dang. Oh in yeah, and Randall. Yeah, that now. makes it tough. Um, hmm. Um, so right now, the the simplest the simplest negotiation then, or the simplest trade offer that that you'd be willing to do is the one I have on the table now is is Clarkson, Brewer, Randall, and the Houston pick. For and then and then it was for Mello and was it one have, or two we of have the 20, we have twenty nineteen second rounders coming from Orlando and or Cleveland and or Houston we get the two least favorable of those three. So would you be willing to give up then the Orlando second rounder for that package, Mello and the Orlando second rounder? Uh, the issue there is that we might not be getting the Orlando second rounder. It's mm. um it's the two least favorable of Orlando, Cleveland and Houston in 2019. Oh yeah, you're so not getting that, the Orlando one. <laughs> right. Um I would probably I would hope the Lakers would hold off and really push Phil uh, into offering up that that one of those first rounders if they if he's taking on Randall or if he if the Lakers are offering Randall as well, um, the amount of leverage here is is where like that's kind of where I'd kind of put my foot down and swing the leverage. Who else? Who else? Like where would you get a better package than than this? Well, we're gonna talk to the Clippers uh, in. Five minutes if we're making this phone call in real time and in a couple weeks if we're talking about when I'm actually going to do the podcast with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I would expect that I'll be getting future first-round picks uh, in a trade from the Clippers, and that is uh, very desirable to me. Do they have first-round picks? Well, the thing with the Clippers is that any trade with them is not going to take place until the start of the new league year. Which means that their pick this year will have already been traded, and it opens up uh, further future picks beyond that. Gotcha. So it would be way in the future then. 
it would likely be decently far into the future, yes. Yeah. For example, they owe their 2017 first-round pick. That is owed out. It's going to, uh, I guess today it came out, I guess it's going to Orlando because uh, Orlando gets the less favorable of theirs and Toronto's pick. And after that tiebreaker, so the Clippers pick goes to Orlando. And the Clippers owe their 2019 pick to Boston, but their 2021 and 2023 picks are available. Gotcha. Which that probably helps you guys out because you're going to want Cl- the Clippers to be bad by then, right? If yes, and uh, and we're we're very much looking forward to them being bad after Carmelo is already off the team and uh, Chris Paul, and Chris is, Paul is making thirty nine million dollars as a thirty six year old six foot point guard. <laughs> I just giggle at, at at the Clippers somehow getting mangled in this in this trade. Uh, Scenario we're, as well. we're very much looking forward to that as well because that will be the time when Chris Apps is signing his max deal and we're going to want to add young, cost-controlled talent alongside him and our, our seventh pick in this year's draft. Gotcha. So I, I do feel that we have deals elsewhere that we can take, and that's why uh, I, I feel justified in pushing for the additional young guy in this package. Yeah. I would probably – I would – if I were the Lakers, I would hope that they would they would hold off on on including Randall in the deal, um, especially if it doesn't mean getting rid of Dang, right? Because Dang Randall is going to have to be included probably in any deal that gets Rand uh, Dang off of the books. So I would probably just I would I'd probably put my foot down at at Clarkson, Randall, Brewer, and the Houston pick. Um, How about and- if? Um- if you would insist on getting Luol Deng, uh, I can throw in two guys who make just about the same amount of money combined uh, as Deng does on his own, but are actually useful players uh, in Courtney Lee and Lance Thomas. And uh, and I would request that you would throw in an additional uh, far-in-the-future draft pick. So the, the um, Lee deal is as long as Deng's, right? Lee and Thomas both are four years, and they combined make just south of uh, eighteen point, or sorry, seventeen point five million. And that that breaks up so, as Lee makes about twelve, right? And Thomas makes about five. Uh, Thomas makes six point one right now, and Lee is at eleven point two. Uh, obviously, those numbers do go up a little bit uh, over the next couple of years, but. Huh. They they currently make about seven hundred thousand less a year than Luol Deng. That's actually interesting because I think Thomas can be movable, and you kind of get that off of your book. Like there's there's a way to make it. You can become more flexible by getting you know by getting two contracts that is as valuable as the one that Deng has. So right. it would be it would be Clarkson, Randall, Deng, and Brewer, and the Houston pick. And an additional pick as a price for taking on Dang's contract. And then Which would the... Be that, that pick that I mentioned earlier where it's either 2021 or 2020. And then the, Laker, and then the Lakers get Mello, Lee, Thomas. Thomas. And the, uh, the second least favorable of those second round picks that I mentioned earlier. You know what? I think you have a deal. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think 
I would make that deal. It's on the it's on the high end of what I wanted to offer, but the Lakers were hoping to turn Randall and Dang into a into a capable NBA player anyway, and you kind of get a couple of them for for the for the package there. I yeah, think. Well, I mean, here you know, I get two first round picks out of this deal. I get Julius Randall, who I think is a very interesting young player and can work in a, a three man big rotation with Chris Stapps and Hernan Gomez. Uh, I get Jordan Clarkson as, you know, I, I still think that I can pick a point guard in the draft, even mm-hmm. if Jordan Clarkson is on the team, and he can sort of play a combo one and two role like he does for the Lakers. His contract is not that big. And, uh, you know, no, the Dane contract is not good, and we're going to have two horrible contracts <laughs> on our books with with Luol Dang and Joe Kim Noah. Uh, the reunion salary relief in the form of uh, Corey Brewer's contract coming off seven point six million dollars next year, and uh, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, and uh, two first round picks. You know, we're, so we're now we're going to have two picks in this draft as well as two picks in either 2020 or 2021. And um, I, I think it's an interesting move. I don't know if it's the single best move that I can make, but for the purposes of this podcast, I think it was a good deal to make with the Lakers, even if I would have liked, I think, Larry Nance uh, a little bit more than Julius Randle. It's kind of funny, right, that I think Randle has more upside than Nance, but Nance is, he he just fits so much better in today's NBA than Randle does. But Zach Lowe believes in Randle, so it's like hard for me to say. I love Randle. I wrote about it earlier in the season. Yeah. I I said he was their silver lining, and I I think he's really good. I think as a playmaker, it's a nice fit next to Chris Apps as well. And uh, and having that kind of player, I think, uh, is good going forward as well. Yeah. All right. Well, if we were if we were sitting next to each other, we would shake each other's hands or whatever. But I, I think we I think we just made a deal. We basically yeah, I think we did. I'm very interested to know what people think about this. I would imagine that I'm going to get lambasted for taking on Luol Deng's contract. Mm-hmm. But I think the price of two first round picks, Clarkson and Randall, uh, that made it okay by me. I'm accepting the fact that we're going to be bad over these next couple of years. And um, that's, I don't know if it's going to help because uh, I don't, I don't imagine that him and Noah are going to play all that much, but it does suck paying about 35% of my cap to those two guys. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, here's kind of what I look for when I, when I send a trade proposal out there is getting people on both sides of the trade, really angry at me. And yeah. I can I can guarantee you people on this side of the of the trade are going to be angry at me for giving up a first rounder and for giving up Randall. Two uh, first rounders. Well, two for yeah the extra the extra first rounder uh, was what I meant. And then I actually I actually think so. If we we have our trade now that's on the table, do you think if the Lakers and the Knicks actually make a trade, which way would you do you feel more comfortable? Do you would you say that? The Knicks wind up making a worse trade for themselves, or the Lakers yes. wind up. Yeah, <laughs> always bet on the Knicks <laughs> making a worse trade for themselves. I was kind of, I, I kind of figured that was going to be the. I have no idea what to expect from this Polinka Magic tandem in the uh, in the front office, but Neither I've I've seen enough from Phil to feel pretty comfortable thinking that it's not going to yeah. turn out well. That's like I did. Uh, I did Tim Bontemps podcast uh, before the season. We did preseason over unders. Uh, for every team in the league, and we both we came to the Knicks, and we both said, you know, I feel like there's a decent chance that they go over here, but 
it's always smart to bet on the Knicks screwing things up. And we both <laughs> took the under, and we both turned out right. Is this is this where does this rank in like your all time least favorite Knicks seasons? Oh, it's it's way up there. Yeah, this was one of I, I've talked about this several times on the podcast. One of the least enjoyable seasons that I can remember. Um, right from the beginning, you know, the season started with a rape trial. Yeah, like that literally happened starting on the first day of training camp. Yep. And I guess even before that, it was already terrible because they signed Noah's contract. So And traded for Rose. And but. traded for Rose, who was had a rape trial pending. Yeah, yeah. I I actually feel differently about this Lakers season. I actually, I didn't, I didn't dislike it, which is more than I've been able to say than over the last three years. Which, you know, baby yeah, steps. I, look, I wrote about the Lakers before the season as well, um, that I thought that they were going to be fun this year because Luke was going to get them playing faster, playing a more entertaining style. They were going to let the kids run. And, you know, even if they were bad, uh, which wound up being the case, that it would be okay because you were going to see signs of hope. And I think they were bad, and it was okay because you saw signs of hope. Yep, I would I would completely agree. And then the exit interviews where all of the players went out of their way to effusively praise Ingram and Luke, and that was great to hear because you, usually you know, you know what an exit interview looks like when the player just doesn't care. They just want to get through the questions and get out of there. A lot of the yeah. guys were thoughtful in their answers, and a big part of their answer was Ingram's going to be the real deal. So that's he's the least he's the most untouchable player that the Lakers currently employ. Um, the uh, the Knicks eggs and interviews went super great. Kristaps uh, <laughs> wasn't there. Carmelo <laughs> got in a fight with Phil. All the players hate the triangle and Rambus and Phil. So everything's going super well over here, and um, and that's why we're trying to trade the uh, the best player we've had since Patrick Ewing. Ah. Uh. Well, best of luck moving forward, Jared. This was this was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm I'm really interested to see how the other trades come out. Now you have ammunition that you can go to other teams with. I do. I'm just going to tell everybody that I got two first round picks from the Lakers. <laughs> I'm I'm just going to walk around bragging. I'm going to put it on my resume. I got rid of Deng's contract. I think we I think we both got <laughs> things to hang our hat on here, and we both got things that will make each of our fan bases uh, incredibly angry because. You know, you gave up two first-round picks, and I now pay Joakim Noah and Luol Deng $35 million <laughs> a year over the next three seasons. And uh, that's not great, in case you didn't know. That's not ideal. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon, though. Are you, You're going to be in Vegas? Uh, I'm actually not going to be in Vegas because I'm getting hip surgery. Oh, my goodness. Well, best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> best of luck. So this is why I tell my wife all the time, like, I'm getting fat, and I don't work out because I don't want to get hurt. So... Yeah, yeah. I uh, I can already feel the gains that I've made, uh, you know, working out wise over the last couple of years, uh, moving back down toward my stomach just because I haven't been able to do anything for like three weeks, four weeks now, Ouch. and uh, it's it's not great and it's not fun. That that well, best. So I I hope you feel better and uh, and yeah, we'll talk we'll talk really soon. Sounds good, man. Thank you for doing this.